0: Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless or toll free 1 877
1: 590 KLBJ. Hey, good morning. Wow, what a gorgeous morning. You know what? I had to get a jacket to sit on the deck this morning. I'm writing it on my calendar because it was just amazing. I loved it so much. I went out there in my nightgown and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't going to work. So I uh, went in and got a jacket. Anyway, it's just lovely. And we've got some great weather ahead of us. Thank God it's October the 15th. Um, hey, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin. This is the Austin Gardener, and we're here to help you or take your comments whatever you want to talk about. And here are the numbers to call, 512-836-0590. You can call or text that number. And we have a toll-free line, 877-590-5525. Again, 512-836-0590 to call or text. And uh, I know, gosh, now we can really start doing tons of stuff. I was looking through some of the text messages um, from Jeff's show, and one of the questions was, uh, is it too late to plant collard greens from seed? Uh, So I looked at my seed planting guide, and it is not too late to plant collard seeds. You can plant them, and this is, again, for direct seeding. You can also be putting in beets, leaf lettuce, and parsley, uh, and then as we go into November, there's some other things, and it's really good. Now, I've got this from my Texas Organic Vegetable Gardening book, but if you want to know when to do stuff um, and what's the best cultivar for your area, again, go to your AgriLife website, which is A-G-R-I-Life, and then whatever county you're in. And you will just find more information than you could possibly imagine on that website. It's just full of information, including when to plant what and what things work work the best. Um, Hey, I have a question for y'all. What is the monarch situation? I don't know whether they've already come through and left, whether they haven't come through yet, or just what's going on. And part of the reason I ask this is because A, I haven't seen any in in my yard, Uh, but B, the evergreen sumac are now blooming, and that's one of their favorite nectar plants. And as I've told this story many, many times, but many years ago when I still had a plant nursery called Native Sun Nursery, I would go out and collect seeds. This time of year was a big seed collecting time of year, and I went to this place in Westlake Hills, this is before it was really developed over in Davenport that area, um, and I I found a, a vacant piece of land that was covered in evergreen sumac, and as I walked up to them, a just a million monarch butterflies erupted from those plants. So they they use a lot of our plants for nectar. It's just um, the the, tr- the milkweed is, is the larval plant. In other words, that's where they're going to lay their eggs. And that's why a lot of people say cut down the tropical milkweed this time of year. If it's still blooming, uh, we don't want them to lay their eggs, blah, blah, blah. There's a, a disease or something that spreads. But anyway, I, uh, I just wondered if anybody had seen them and can tell me the status of them because uh, – You know, I don't know. Uh, Okay. I also wanted to comment on another text that I, and Jeff answered this texter, but I wanted to, I thought it was such a good question that I wanted to tell you about it. And he says, hi, Jeff, I want to apply corn gluten to the lawn, but also sow rye grass seed. What is your recommendation on doing both? Thank you. And Jeff answered correctly, of course, no, 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 corn gluten prevents seeds from germinating. So you have to wait about eight weeks between the two. Uh, Gluten then seeds or seeds then gluten? Such a good question because that is the absolute truth. If you're going to plant anything from seed in an area where you're going to do corn gluten, you have to wait till all that seed germinates and comes up before you put the corn gluten down. And if you're planting rye, rye is really good at keeping other weeds from coming up. I mean, it's pretty aggressive. And so I'm not sure you need to do both. Uh, But if you did put corn gluten down now, you wouldn't be able to plant rye seeds until mid-December, which isn't necessarily a bad idea, but typically we would plant it much earlier for a green uh, crop for the winter. So very good question. All right, let's go to the phone lines. We're gonna to head to Blanco. Hey William, how's it going out there?
2: Hey, Cheryl, it's doing great on this glorious day, huh?
1: Oh my god, I wish I was in Blanco, you lucky dog. Uh
2: I am I'm uh land that I wanna turn into a um a prairie or meadow. I'm not sure I know the difference between the two. But I've been surface composting um, with some grass cuttings for the last couple of years. And I'm a little concerned that I, I don't know the difference between composting and creating thatch um, for, <laughs> for germinating wildflowers. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give me some guidance there?
1: Well, if it just turned brown and it's laying on the surface and it's thickly covering the surface, then you're going to have to rake it off. Before you plant okay. your seeds, because the seeds need soil, direct soil contact, or they're not going to okay. germinate. They don't, they don't, you don't plant them deeply or anything, mainly just like rough up the soil with a, with a rake, and then broadcast mm-hmm. your seeds, and then maybe turn the rake over and, you know, slide some soil back over them, or some people will just gently water them in, and soil will then cover the seeds. You know, you think about how nature would do it. They'd just sling it out there. Um, right.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I'd seen I'd seen some things on some kind of report that would, about an area down in Austin. They were doing a, a meadow or prairie, and they were saying that you know they had to go th- through and um from just the wildflowers themselves, where the fires would take care of that. Um,
1: yeah, in, and that's natural. exactly right because you again, if your thatch is too thick, you're not going to get the soil contact that you need. Okay, and that's the
2: reason. So, uh, other than r- raking almost an acre of land, um, Dang, any other suggestions, McCann, Just leave it sit sit that way for a while um, until well, what's it de- the situation?
1: It. What does it look like out there? Um, it's
2: I mean it's not ugly, but it's um, um, it still hasn't decomposed. The, mm-hmm. the grass clippings have not decomposed. Yeah,
1: yet. yeah. Well, I guess you could I don't know if you can take a backpack blower out there and sort of blow away the thatch. That would be the easy way idea. to do it. That's um, a really good idea. Yeah. So, okay. I would I would probably do that just so that you can expose the soil. I mean, the thatch would be okay if the seeds were already sprouted, but that's not right. the case, you know. So, yeah. Right.
2: Okay, so my second question was about um, building a path. I'd asked you. I'd called in um, a couple months ago and misspoke. I'm. My idea was that crushed limestone. I'd said granite when we talked earlier, but crushed limestone, three quarter of an inch, um, maybe about an inch deep, and then putting um, the, the smaller crushed limestone on top of that to kind of lock it in. And there is a little bit of a um, a slope to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't heard people doing it. It kind of made sense to me. It'd be easier to walk on, more comfortable to walk on, top dress with the uh, smaller crushed limestone. Mm-hmm. Um, but am I... Well, you're going to get... Is my thinking right?
1: Uh, well, when we were building, say, for instance, a large granite patio or something, if we were somebody wanted to de- decompose granite patio... We would go in there first with caliche, which is, of course, just basically decomposed limestone, right? Uh-huh. And, and we would put a layer of that down and compact it. Um, and then we would go back in on top of that with our decomposed granite, which you could also do. That's another way to do if you wanted a pea gravel patio. Of course, I'm not a big fan of pea gravel, but I've seen it done beautifully. And uh learned this from do you remember Jim David? He he owned gardens uh mm-hmm. over on thirty fifth street. Well anyway, I gotta do a break, but that's how he did his pea gravel court. He did the the caliche and then compacted it and then went in with no more than one inch of of pea gravel. So I think your ideal work, my only concern would be You'd be tracking white caliche all over the place if it's as it decomposes. Hey, I gotta right. do a break. Do you wanna hold or do you wanna go? Uh, I'll hold. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, five ninety AM and ninety-nine point seven FM.
1: Okay, we are back. And again, you heard the numbers, 512-836-0590 to call or text. Now let's go back and finish up with William and Blanco. Hey, William. Okay, so we were talking about the pathway.
2: Just want to make sure we're on the same page. I'm I'm looking at putting it down road base to level the uh, pathway, Mm -hmm. then weed fabric, and then about an inch or so or three-quarter inch crushed limestone. And then on top of that, a quarter-inch limestone. And um, is that going to work? And yeah. you said something about tracking dust into the house.
1: Well, yeah, it'll work. But, I, I mean, if the limestone is uh, wet, you might get some white residue on your shoes. Okay, That's the the one thing that I would worry about. You know, like if you were walking across a caliche field and, and it was a little bit uh, wet... You'd get it, so but I—I th- right. don't cer- certainly sounds like a functional thing. It—it it sounds okay. to me like it will function and be stable. Yeah.
2: Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Cheryl, so much. You give me a little bit of peace of mind here. Well, sure.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, here's a text. You know, I asked about the monarchs, and this first texter says, "I've only seen two monarchs." Here in Georgetown. So that's helpful. And here's another text that says Can you tell me what plant or shrub this is? It's very drought tolerant. Leaves are fragrant when crushed, and they have a rough texture. It's about three feet tall and no more than two feet wide. I don't see any blooms on this, but if it has a good texture, it could be this, this native plant that we call camphor weed. Uh, It should be blooming, though, May to October, Um, but it looks like that in in my plant book. I was thinking sunflower at first, uh, but and it it might be a sunflower of some sort, but that's what the leaves appear to be to me. Um, So you may want to, you know, do that uh, Plant This or what is it? Picture This app. And see if you can get a, a definite answer. Okay, here uh, here's two questions from the same texter. Does it benefit garlic to be planted in a raised bed? Absolutely, yes. And what amendments should be added for uh, production? Well, uh, in the vegetable gardening guide. Malcolm Beck recommends putting in some um, Actinovate and cornmeal in the soil at planting. So you've got to have healthy soil, good drainage, so raised beds and rows or hills are absolutely beneficial for garlic. Um, He also would like to soak the bulbs in seaweed and water before planting, and then After you plant them, you water them in, and then you can cover them with compost. Uh, So that's his best uh, recommendations on the garlic planting. Uh, They typically, what does he say about fertilize at least twice with an organic fertilizer. And then you can spray it monthly with a liquid fertilizer. So... Uh, and the other comment was, I saw about 15 monarchs on my mother's new gold lantana on Friday. They hung out there for about 20 minutes. She lives in Washington County. Okay, well, that's good to know. So they're around. Uh, and I figured that because, of, again, the, the, they timed their you know, passage. So interesting. Uh, with the, blo- the plants blooming that they will... Use and here's another text that says, Cheryl Jeff recommends the website journeynorth.org to monitor the monarch migration. Excellent, great. I I can't wait. I'm gonna definitely go on to that. Uh, But I figured we'd start seeing them once the sumac started blooming, and of course, there's a lot of other stuff blooming too. Uh, Let's see. Okay, this is a photo, and by the way, if you want to join in, 512-836-0590 is the call or text number, and the toll-free line is 877-590-5525. Okay, he sent me a picture you. Uh, it says, these grasses, I want them to spread, but I need to cut them right now. Or are they spreading their seeds right now? Thank you so much for all your help. Uh, I love your show. Yeah, these, leave them alone. You don't need to cut them. Uh, It's Mexican feather grass, and they mainly spread through uh, rhizomes, or they spread vegetatively versus seed. I don't think I've ever seen a seed on one. And as a matter of fact, that's the way most grasses spread. They all put out seed, but a lot of the grass seeds have low germination rates. It says, also, sorry to bother you. I live in the middle of the ACL Music Festival, and I can't get to my gardening store today. (laughs) That's the truth. You can't get anywhere if you live nearby there. But no, those, those will spread themselves. You know, you do have them in a rock bed, so that is probably not the most uh, conducive to spreading, but they will spread eventually. Okay, it says here, oh, here's another picture. Zoom in. Unfortunately, this this particular program we're using for texting doesn't allow me to zoom in. I asked Mark Caesar about it, and he said that we're going to get a different one eventually, but. It it really is, uh, hampers me, but it says, zoom in to see monarch butterflies near sunset in Buda on Friday, October the 13th, settling in for the night. I have not seen any since that day. Well, that means they're south of here, right? So they are, I guess, coming in sort of like waves, but... Interesting. I wish I could zoom in. I'd love to see that. Uh, okay, here's another text that says, I live in an RV with no room for my plants. What can I buy to protect my plants outside? Well, I mean, you could, like I heard Jeff talking about frost cloth. That will give you probably max six degrees of extra warmth, extra protection. Um, You can also build a hoop little greenhouse. I don't know what kind of plants you have or, you know, whether you can afford to buy a pop-up greenhouse or just what. But when I had a plant nursery, of course, we had these large growing um, greenhouses, but we made them with PVC pipe. And then you know, in the summer it was just shade cloth over them, and in the winter we would pull the shade cloth down, pull over very thick poly uh, plastic, and then put the shade cloth back on top of that, and that made for a very hot growing climate. Even in the depths of winter, it was always very warm inside the greenhouse. So. Um, And, you know, I would be starting acorns and things like that, so I'd have lots of stuff in the greenhouse in the winter. But I think, you know, something like that, some kind of little – if you can bunch them all together, uh, get some PVC pipe, uh, wrap that in, build some sort of a cage or a hoop or something and put the uh, very thick poly over it. And then the shade cloth helps with the warmth. So you don't have to do that, but it would probably help. And then if it's going to be super freezing, then you're going to want to add maybe a a bright light in there or some kind of heat. Um, But again, I don't know what kind of plants you have, so it's a little bit hard for me to answer this perfectly, right? Okay, well, we have just a couple minutes before the end of the uh, first half hour. If you guys would like to join the show, you can call or text 512-836-0590. And you can also use the 877-590-5525 line, which is a toll-free line. How about the cool eclipse yesterday, y'all? I didn't have any glasses I ran to Terra Toys because somebody on next door said they have them. Would you believe I was like the second person in line when they ran out? So I didn't have glasses. So I just went out on my driveway and looked at the eclipse. The shadows from the trees were amazing. and It was also projecting, interestingly, onto the uh, rock around my waterfall. So there was a flat rock there that had the perfect impression of the uh, eclipse on it. So it was so fascinating. And my grandchildren were working on a, out at the, their school. They're doing a landscaping project there. And they all had glasses. And my daughter, he pictured they had the most fascinating leaf patterns you've ever seen um, on the school ground. So the kids were able to enjoy that. And, of course, they had glasses. All right, let's do the news. We'll be back after this.
0: Welcome to The Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM.
1: Okay, we are back. And if you would like to join in, you can call or text 512 836 0590. And again, the toll-free line is 877-590-5525. So i got a couple of texts here. Uh, this one, they sent me a picture of a, uh, a very, very sad apple tree, and they said, this apple tree is at least 30 years old. This summer was very hard on it. Is it at the end of life? That tree is definitely going to need to be replaced. And uh, as most of you know, our bare root fruit trees and and other, you know, uh, producing trees like apples and and peaches and stuff, they come in typically in January. And so you need to be sure and look up what is uh, the right cultivar for your county, as we talked about earlier. And you can find that on AgriLife, whatever county you're in, Um, they will tell you the uh, correct selections that do the best in your county. Uh, and because, you know, we're all different. You can just get a little bit north of here and it's different, a little bit south of here and it's different. So, uh, But, yeah, this this tree, now, I mean, I'm no arborist, but it looks to me like it's not healthy enough to be of any benefit to you. There used to be a nursery that sold in the growing apple trees that had three different kinds of apples grafted onto them at once uh, for cross-pollination, what have you, and I have not seen those again, but I know that you can buy apple trees and containers up in Medina, um, which is the main apple-growing area in central Texas, so you may want to go up there. Most of the apples that, that do well here in Austin are on dwarf rootstock, they can be literally trellised, um, espaliered on a structure of some sort, um, and those are, it's really interesting, so if you want to make a beautiful trip up, by the way, maybe go to see the maples, the big tooth maples in Linky, which is far from there. Uh, here's another text with very cool pictures of shadows from the eclipse. And he says, I had completely forgotten about the eclipse. I thought my eyes weren't focusing right. (laughs) All those eclipse-shaped crescent shadows. Luckily, I thought to take pictures, I was going to see if anybody else saw it as I did. LOL. Yeah, that's exactly what I saw in the driveway. It it was just absolutely amazing. Uh, I didn't feel any real Well, as I said, I didn't have glasses, so I couldn't have looked up anyway. But I think that it's much more fascinating to look at the shadows that the trees make, right? Okay, here, let's see. Happy Fabulous Sunday. Cast onto white cardboard yesterday. Here are crescent shadows on the left from the light filtering through the oaks. And on the lower right... We held up a card with a pinhole in it to show the single eclipse. Weirdly abstract, hey? Uh, I only got a short, direct peek with the neighbor's glasses. She planned better than I did. Boy, isn't that the truth? I didn't either. That is very cool. That is really a cool picture. I mean, that, that's the kind of picture you blow up and put on the wall. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just it's amazing. Uh, Very interesting. I was surprised it didn't get darker than it did. I guess I was I was thinking that uh, You know, it would be much darker, but I guess it was only a partial eclipse. Oh, here's another cool picture uh, of the shadows on this person's driveway. It's just amazing. I'm really glad my little boys got to see this and of course Maybe I'll get glasses before the the one that's coming in April that would be the real, you know, full eclipse. So, but I I don't know. I just thought it was amazing and stood out there on the driveway for the longest time. Okay, we have lines open, 512-836-0590. That's the call or text number. And then, of course, the toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. So I got two interesting photos texted to me yesterday. Uh, one from my sister, whose neighbor has a blooming milkweed, and or butterfly weed, and she, she said, "What is on my neighbor's plant?" Uh, and of course, it was aphids, millions of them. And aphids are wildly attracted to butterfly weed. That is just something that. Goes, if you got butterfly weed, you're going to get the aphids. So my my advice to her was, if you want to, you can spray them off with a hard nozzle spray of of water and do that every couple of days. But the other advice was just leave them alone because predators will come uh, it, as long as you're not you know sucking your yard in chemicals. If you if you're doing organic landscaping, you get something like a an aphid infestation you're going to get predators that come and eat the aphids. So, And besides, as I told her also, that plant is on the way out. Uh, I guess I could have told her to cut it down, but I didn't know whether it was a tropical milk. I don't think she did either. Um, but it, it had a beautiful bloom. But it is just, uh, to me, let nature take its course. I mean, there's got to be a reason why the aphids come in and attack those plants. And it could be part of the all, you know, get rid of them before the monarchs come through so they don't lay their eggs on them, something like that. I think that's, that would be cool, right, if they were sort of cooperative. <laughs> but anyway, okay, we have a caller online, and let's go there to southwest Austin. Hello, Jeff. How's it going? It's going
3: okay, young lady. How are you?
1: I'm Awesome. I love this weather so much.
3: Yeah, it's really nice. So that's why I'm fixing to get out and try to do some stuff. But um, I have never used bone meal around my irises, and I know last year was pretty hard on them. And I didn't know if um, you can just sprinkle bone meal kind of around them, or has it got to go in a hole when you when you're transplanting or planting them?
1: Yeah, it's better to have them in have it in the. Uh, The hole. I mean, it's a good source of calcium and phosphorus, but it's really slow acting and it's better to use soft rock phosphate, really. Oh, okay. Um, And typically we would put that in kind of down at the bottom of the hole when we plant them. But if you can work it in um, around sort of, you know, lightly scratch it in around the bulbs, I think you'll get, you know, a better result.
3: Okay, yeah, because I just recently, uh, since it cooled off, I put some some compost around on my irises and stuff, just kind of you know, kind of spread it around the ground and that type of thing. And mm-hmm. but I just thought, well, I'd never used it, but the the soft phosphate that that'll be something to try to just trying to get them to to bloom a whole lot better than they did last year, since everything was you know such a pain. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. I would I would try the um, soft rock phosphate okay you probably need to yeah. catch that all right. phone
3: all right well no it's it's uh we celebrated my uncle's 100th birthday yesterday wow so, yeah
1: cool yeah. well congrats to him
3: <laughs> yeah he was a long time well he still it well he still tries to get out there and mess with it he's a gardener from way back when and just just grew some of the best oranges and just uh i always admired how much he could grow and and, and the things that he would try so well. but uh Anyway, all right. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. You are welcome. Really appreciate your show.
1: Good to hear Take from you. Bye bye. All right, let's get that last break out of the way, and we'll be back right after this.
0: Welcome to the Austin Gardner with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ five ninety AM and ninety nine point seven FM.
1: Okay, we are back. And again, you heard. Call or text 512-836-0590. Let's go to the phone lines and go to Central Austin. Hey, Kirby. Yeah, thank you. Um, um, my question is about a Turk's cap.
3: I have one, and I know it has my reputation be tolerant to drought and heat, and it hang in there, hung in there well. And then with this little bit of rain that we got, it has just exploded in growth. It is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Cool. Uh, And that has motivated me to want to plant a couple of more different places in the yard. So my question is, when is the best time to plant a turk's cap? Now or should I wait until the springtime?
1: Well, they're going to go dormant. um, But one thing you might consider, so spring probably would be better. uh, Let's see, October, November, December. Although you have a couple months, you could probably get that thing established. Before the hard freezes come um, okay. They also put out A lot of seeds So the And the seeds oh. don't require any Pre-treatment, they're very easy to germinate So what you could do Is wait till the seeds are Ready And then collect Some of those and then just plant them Wherever you want them And oh, okay. you know some will Germinate, now they, they look like a little red Apple And they have mm. pulp on them uh, and then the seed is inside the little red apple So you kind of oh, okay. have to uh, Scratch off the pulp Or One year I put them out on cookie sheets And the ants ate all the pulp And left me the clean seeds I thought that was pretty cool <laughs> Let the ants do the work for me <laughs> Yeah but, Very good Yeah, so they're easy But yeah, I'd, if, if you're going to do it Go ahead and do it I see, very good Very good. I appreciate your advice. All right, Kirby. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Uh Bye. Oh, my gosh, y'all. I got the funniest text here. (laughs) I had a young person yesterday ask me while watching the eclipse, is this because of climate change? I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or just give up. Oh, my God. Now, that's sad. That is just sad. Uh, is it because of climate change? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's scary. It's scary. Oh, uh, take a science class, buddy. OK, let's see. Here's another text. Uh, my Oh, goodness. Yeah. My mountain laurels are quite tall. They have also gotten very leggy. Can I cut them short? So I don't block my neighbors across the street. Uh, Is there anything I should do about them being so leggy, for lack of a better word? Uh, And also, we saw a few monarchs just yesterday. Okay, such a good question. So let me say this. Yes, you can cut them, but only about a third of the total height. However, this is the time of year when they have their bloom spikes already on them for the spring bloom. So if you cut them now, you will lose, you know, whatever bloom spikes were on there. The ideal time to prune a mountain laurel is after they bloom in the spring. Then you can cut them, you know, chop them, do whatever you want because Unless you're really just doing it for, to get the seed out of it, uh, you're not going to need to do that. They get leggy like that when they're looking for the sun. Uh, so it could be that they're not getting enough sun, although they do well in partial shade. But I would just go ahead and uh, either cut them if you don't care about losing the blooms. Although what they're going to do then is try to sprout out a bunch of new growth this time of year. Hopefully, they'll have time to harden off before winter. Um, but my preference would be to leave them alone, see what you, if you get any blooms out of them in the spring, and then if you do, right after they bloom, then you can whack them. Okay, here's another text. Every fall... Oh, wow. Uh, amazing picture. Uh, of the eclipse taken through a welder's mask. I was also disappointed it didn't get dark. That is incredible. It looks like a, a moon, you know, like a, a silver. So, sil- what do you call the moon when they just, they're like a half or a little circle? I mean, a half moon. Never mind. Every fall I plant bluebonnet seeds. Every spring, no bluebonnets. What am I doing wrong? Well, it helps to scarify the bluebonnet seeds. So, you, you know, if you rub them between a couple of uh, bricks or something rough, you want to just open up that. They have a dormant seed coat on them uh, so that they can last in the wild for years before they germinate because that seed coat has to wear off. So, you can rub them again. Uh, you could do it on a side, put them on a sidewalk and rub them with some bricks, um, and that will help them germinate, because uh, otherwise, don't bury them too deeply. They need to barely be covered with soil. Uh, let's see here. Good morning, Cheryl. Just wanted to let you know that I saw four monarchs on my Miss Flower Friday, uh, also, what's your opinion of frostweed, and can you buy transplants or seed to get it going? Well, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever seen it in a nursery. Um, I love frostweed. It's a really interesting plant. It's that one that if it freezes and the conditions are just right, it'll bust open, and that white sap will make icicle-looking things coming out. Um, but I don't, you might try a place like, Native American seed or wild seed farms or the uh, Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center. I don't. I don't know if anybody's growing it. If anybody has seen it, let me know. Okay, let's see here. Uh, oh, there's a bunch of text on this one. Uh, several large live oaks. Several have the leaves turned brown, except a few limbs. One tree that is clearly the most aesthetically valuable. Next to my house is 95% brown. I don't want to cut it down. Is there any hope for it? Oak wilt. Also, I fear I didn't water it enough this summer. Um, Yeah, that's probably what happened. You can try watering it. I would never give up on on a big oak unless, you know, an arborist told me it was dead. But I would just start soaking it, soaking it, soaking it. It, it, it. Hopefully it will put on new leaves for you. Don't give up on it. Uh, coral vine, that is beautiful. Got to start from my mother who's no longer with us. I just had to share. That is stunning. Wow, what a big picture. A big planting of beautiful coral vine. Uh, can I trim my knockout roses or should I wait? Um if you're gonna I would I wouldn't trim them. I really wouldn't. I would wait, you know, at this point, they just need to kinda harden off for winter. At, yeah, crescent moon, thank you. They need to harden off. Uh in February, you know, around Valentine's Day, that's when I would uh trim them. Okay, here. Uh Crescent Moon. <laughs> Thank y'all. I could not remember the name of that, of it. So, okay, uh, let's see here. Well, I don't think I have much time, but I'll try to start this call. Ron, Cedar Park, quickly.
3: Yeah, I got a peach tree I bought it from Water Gardens uh, three years ago. Uh, it's about five years old. It got broken up, but uh, it produced peaches last year, or mm-hmm. this year, rather, but they're double-seeded. Uh, they're delicious, what should I do during the fall to get the
1: next harvest? Well, you definitely want to be sure to just apply some compost and, and mulch for the winter, right? And then once they yep. lose all the leaves, do a dormant oil spray on them, uh, a vegetable-based spray like sun spray or something like that. You can pick it up at Hill Country Water Gardens. Um, and pretty much that's it for the fall in the winter, and then of course there's other things that you you need to do in the spring. But you can, again, you can find that info on AgriLife. Um, whatever county you're, are you in Williamson or Travis or? Yeah, yeah. Tra- yeah, Yeah. So, so
2: why why did it double
1: seed? That I don't know. Five. I I do yeah, not know. Sure. That's weird. I've never okay. heard of that before. Never. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at least they (laughs) tasted good. I'm not really sure what happened. That's a good question. I don't have time to get feedback on it. Unfortunately, I got to let you go. Yep. No worries. Thanks. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. What a great week we're having this weather we've been waiting for. It's just so fabulous. Kevinwoodlandscapes.com. Go to the website, get in line, get your good project done. See you next Sunday at 10.